Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This week we head back in time to try and shed light on the mysteries of the Big Bang. Now, of course, how do you measure something you can't see? And that's been the problem with studying the Big Bang for many, many years. A new collaboration of researchers has hopefully shed some light on some of the secrets of the early universe using a large radio telescope in Western Australia. One of the landmark pieces of research in science in the 20th century was, of course, the confirmation and theorization of the Big Bang, the explanation for what happened at the very beginning of our universe, some 13.7 billion years ago. Now, Earth itself is roughly 4.6 billion years ago as our solar systems, and then maybe 3.5 billion years ago as our planet. But for the other 10 billion years, a lot was happening in our universe. But the most exciting stuff, the really curious things, are happening at the beginning period of time for the universe. In fact, those first couple of picoseconds of cosmic time, the very, very early universe, is where the really exotic physics is happening. That's where everything that we ever know and can see today anywhere in the universe was first starting to form and formulate all the rules that govern our very existence. And this very early universe period is a fascinating one for theoretical physicists, but a very difficult one to peer into. In fact, we have to wait a very, very long time, comparatively speaking, for light to show up. And when I say show up, I mean to be observable even. Now, Through a number of different methods, we can peer all the way back in time to some of the very early portions of the universe. For example, the cosmic microwave background radiation, big noisy pattern that we first theorized in 48, detected in 64, was a great way to peer back to the afterglow radiation of the Big Bang itself. That afterglow light pattern radiation, that's actually 380,000 years after the Big Bang itself. So what was going on? For those first 380,000 years, well, atoms weren't actually forming yet. There were small nuclei, small things starting to interact with each other, but atoms were just mostly not quite ready to be fully blown. And that meant we had a big miasma, a big sea of just particles interacting with each other. And eventually, they started to form some structures. And these structures themselves were able to cause light. But there was no real large-scale items, structures in space at that point in time. It was mostly just a big sea of different gases interacting with each other. And over time, eventually, we saw what we think is the first stars around 400 million years after the Big Bang. And they developed into galaxies and clusters and so on. But maybe light was around from before then. We know that through different methods with gravitational waves, potentially we might be able to get back even closer to that starting point of the Big Bang, but it's still tricky because light didn't exist, so how can we even look back there? And the radiation that we see, the cosmic microwave background radiation, was some form of energy at one point that's now just been shifted so far in the past that it's gone from being light, for example, to something else, another form of radiation. But how do we actually peer into that early light, that first forms of light? And that's where a lovely piece of research has come in. This, if it's proven true, could be an award-winning prize of not just one, but potentially two Nobel Prizes. And it's the effort of, result of about 12 years of effort and collaborations from scientists across the world using a very, very powerful radio telescope 
Deep in Australia. So deep in the Australian desert, in Western Australia, lies a small but very powerful radio telescope, and that's been scouring the sky, so to speak, peering into the past for many, many years now. And after 12 years of this collaboration with researchers from a variety of universities, Colorado University, Arizona State University, MIT, all working together in what they call the Experiment to Detect the Global Epoch of Reionization Signature, or EDGES experiment, was trying to look back right to some of the early periods of time, not, you know, just after the Big Bang, not picoseconds, not even 380,000 years, which is where the cosmic microwave background radiation comes from. Uh, more, more like 100 million years after the Big Bang. But that's a point that's incredibly interesting, because that is when the first stars were beginning potentially to form. They would have been exciting and interacting with gas around them and emitting light. And this type of interaction is what scientists were trying to study. It would be the first stars to be detected, the first light ever seen from the early universe, and shed some amazing light on not just the formation of the universe, formation of stars and everything else, but potentially also some other mysterious hidden parts of our universe. So what exactly is going on here? One of the most romantic things about astronomy and also physics and studying the universe is that the light arriving at our planet today from some places has traveled hundreds of millions of years. That is to say that what we're seeing here today is actually light that left a star millions and millions of years ago, travelled all the way across the universe to bombard your eyeballs. And that's what happens when you see a star shine in the sky. And the same can be said from stuff from very, very early on in the universe. The problem is the further back in time we go, that light starts to bend and shift. It no longer looks like actual light that's visible. The frequency itself of that light, of that electromagnetic radiation that we call visible light, has stretched and compressed and moved into a different format. Some of the most early radiation from the beginnings around 380,000 years after the Big Bang, that's now microwave radiation. That's what we look at with all those experiments. But a lot of things can produce all kinds of types of radiation that we see and interact with in these large noisy signals that we're studying. So radio telescopes basically study all of that radiation coming into our planet. Some of it can be from quasars, pulsars, big cosmic items that eject all kinds of strange and exotic particles. These particles cause all kinds of random energy ionizations and interactions. And we pick those up and they look really visible, as well as stars, another thing we can detect, and a lot of other cosmic phenomena. Even things like the aurora borealis. When radiation from our sun hits our magnetic field, it releases particles that we can observe and see with a radio telescope. And these are all fascinating things to study. But that's great. We need to get rid of those and filter those out because we're trying to look even further back in time. We're trying to see some stuff from the very early universe. So how do you do that? And make sure you're not getting bombarded with stuff that you don't really care about. 
which one of the things that happened very early on in the universe was there was only really hydrogen and helium. Most other complex elements hadn't been formed yet because stars hadn't collapsed in on themselves and exploded in supernova, creating all kinds of heavy metals and seeding them across the universe. In that very early period, it was mostly just hydrogen and helium, if there was anything at all. And that hydrogen and helium is very interesting, hydrogen in particular. Now, inside a hydrogen nucleus, the electrons and protons can have spins. Basically, they can be in different orientations or of rotation. But what's important is if they change their spinning direction, they release just a little bit of energy, a little bit of light. And they don't have to be fully formed as a star to do that. They can just be doing that as single atoms. And that's incredibly fascinating. But that energy, when first released, if you track that all the way now to today, that original energy that started off around 1.4 gigahertz in frequency has dropped all the way down to, well, around 50 to 100 megahertz. For reference, FM, which we use for radio signals, most particular, uh, that's around 88 to 105 megahertz. So all of a sudden, we're looking for a signal in the range of, well, what we're already using a lot of, the FM spectrum. But some of this early light from the very first hydrogen atoms could actually be shooting off and ionizing and coming all the way back to Earth in a way that we could probably detect if only we could tune out the rest of that noise. And that's what exactly what this experiment, the EDGES experiment, has been trying to do. It has 12 years worth of effort and two years since they first detected this signal, the signal that they think could really shed a light on, or rather the absence of light, on something that would explain the early stages of our universe. They spent two years trying to make sure it wasn't something else that they're misinterpreting. Many people may be familiar with the story of some great work done at the Parkes Radio Telescope in New South Wales in Australia, and it took them several years to actually figure out that this really exotic and bizarre spike that they were seeing in their current measurements didn't come from some new unexplained stellar phenomenon, but actually from someone opening their microwave in the town around them before the timer had finished. Each time they did that, they just released a little bit of excited radiation, really strange radiation particles that the telescope was picking up. So that's why we put these telescopes in super remote places, so we don't get false positives like that. But even then, the telescope measuring system itself could potentially introduce errors. So you have to spend a lot of time trying to make sure you're not actually picking up something that's not really happened. So in the first stars were forming in this period, 380 years, 3,000 years after the Big Bang, one of the things that would have happened is they would have clumped hydrogen atoms together and they would have started to react and release light, release this energy out. And this would have excited through ultraviolet radiation other atoms around them. And that would have absorbed that light and then gone on to form in clumps and make stars of themselves. And what's interesting about this, this clumping and this absorption of light, it means that if you look at the background radiation levels, you should see a dip. Because all of a sudden, at this point, these stars are starting to absorb stuff in. These helium hydrogen atoms are starting to absorb in some of the background radiation. They should cool down and drop in temperature a little bit. So what you're actually looking at is how much these things are blocking or absorbing everything around them. Conversely, black holes that came a little bit later after that, they start to increase 
reionization a bit more, you can actually see more stuff happening after that point. But that first point, these early forms of hydrogen are actually absorbing and diffusing all that early stars around them, which means you should see a dip in the cosmic microwave background radiation, in the, particularly that FM band. But what they found is there wasn't just a dip. It was a, a dip of two times greater, more, than what they actually expected. The model said, yeah, based on the, the density of hydrogen and the amount that it has and the different properties of it at an atomic level, we should see a dip in the noise that we see just because these hydrogen atoms are now starting to absorb and block some of that radiation. We actually saw a two times amount of a dip. And that's really fascinating. A, because we've proven and we can believe if the signal is correct, we can see all the way back in time to those very early stars, which is phenomenal. From the furthest back we've ever actually studied. Even if that's true, then why is it cooler than we expect? And the reason why that's so confusing is that we're looking basically at the temperature of these hydrogen atoms. These groups of hydrogen atoms are basically cooling down everything around them when they form these clumps. They're cooling down the background radiation, that is. And we're seeing twice as much cooling as expected. So how would that possibly be explained? There's no big other structures around there. We're just barely seeing the first formations of stars. But some have theorized, and this part of the story hasn't yet been proven, that what could explain this is potentially dark matter. So first, we have to take a step back and explain what dark matter is and why it could be causing this cooling. understand the way in which it's expanding and the way in which it has expanded since the formation of the universe and the way you know space and time bends itself if you study all these things and try to explain it with the four major forces we know of today strong nuclear force weak nuclear force gravity and electromagnetism you sort of have everything that explains well you do all the numbers only about five percent of the total mass of the universe. If you use all these forces together and you look at the way and plug it into the formulas, something is missing. Something huge is missing from our understanding of the universe. We can't see it and we can't measure it, but it's there and it's influencing the way in which our universe is expanding, growing and changing. And we call this either dark matter, which we think is maybe 25% of the universe, and dark energy, which is the remainder. And these different pieces of energy and mass are basically shaping our universe. We can't measure them, and we don't really have any evidence for what exactly they are. They don't seem to interact with anything either. All they do is, through gravity, bend and shape the universe around them. And that's why we call them dark matter and dark energy. We don't know if it's a big, super-dense particle. We don't know if it's something distributed across the whole universe. It's so difficult to detect and so difficult to understand that really we've been trying and hunting in different ways to try and figure out what dark matter is. And one of the things that people have been doing is been studying neutrinos or looking for weird interactions in large vats of xenon. There were other strange experiments just to try and get a handle on this very, very strange and difficult to detect piece of cosmic matter. Now, 
the funny part about Dark Matter is that, well, it doesn't really like interacting with anything. We haven't ever seen it interact directly, aside from through gravity, with gas, with atoms, with particles, you name it. That's why it's so difficult to detect. We're trying to figure out ways to interact with it. It could explain this dip, because there's really nothing else going on at that very early point in the universe to explain why the early universe was cooling more than it should have, twice as much more. Could it be that these early hydrogen atoms were actually interacting with dark matter, and that was causing the cooling itself? Now, of course, that we need more data on to actually explore. And even if it's true, it would be a landmark because that's the first time we've seen dark matter interact with something. But if it's interacting with hydrogen and this really weird early form of hydrogen, then that might give us another place to go look at for further experiments. It might mean if dark matter is involved in cooling down this early hydrogen and the background radiation more than normal, if it is involved in this measurement that we're seeing, then while we, we have to change the entire way we're looking for dark matter in the, at the moment, we have to move from looking for really big, heavy pieces of dark matter, uh, which are very highly charged particles with the mass of a proton, about uh, 1 billion electron volts in strength. We have to move away from them to a different direction. What it is, we don't know yet, but it probably would not be that if this has been related to dark matter. So there's two fascinating pieces of research here that the EDGES team have discovered. The first is that we have signals, potentially, from very early pieces of light from the cosmic dark ages, the period from around 380,000 years after the Big Bang to the 250,000, 300,000 mark, where we first get the really large structures and stars that we can observe. So by looking for this specific dip in light, in the background radiation, we're able to trace that all the way back to some of the very first hydrogen atoms exciting and emitting and absorbing light around them. And that's fascinating. But the second part of this, if the data is correct, is that there was an extraordinary large dip in those results that goes beyond that model that we had that could only potentially be explained by something like dark matter or another weird force that we haven't yet described, which pretty much is still what dark matter is. And so this might be our first way of getting a better look at dark matter through an observable means that's not gravity. So this is some great work done by a very large team from across the world using an observatory in Australia. And it goes to show you that sometimes when you're hunting for some scientific breakthroughs from the earliest periods of time, you have to spend a lot of time trying to make sure that your story is correct. We don't want another repeat of the bicep discovery where some researchers from across the world use data from an Antarctic observatory to try and claim that they, in the background radiation, saw little curves or curls which they could relate to gravitational waves in that early universe background radiation. Turns out gravitational waves we know do exist, we proved that with LIGO, but it wasn't what we saw in the background radiation using BICEP, because what that was was just some cosmic dust, galactic dust, that the models failed to take into account for. So maybe that's what's happening here. We don't know. This is the first detection, and we need to have more experiments to sort of prove it and dig into it further. But it's certainly exciting because it's some of the earliest light from the earliest portions of the universe and sheds light on this dark age 
where it's really, really hard to understand what was going on because nothing was coming out that we could observe today. Now, as for dark matter, we'll have to wait and see, but it gives us another opportunity or another area to look at in our studies of dark matter as we try and shed light on not only the past of the Big Bang, but also around us today and just exactly how a good chunk around 85 or more percent of the universe actually works. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, Lagrange Point. The Edge's collaboration has worked tirelessly for many years now to try and shed light on the very early history of the universe, and hopefully their results turn out to shed light on not only the Big Bang, but also dark matter. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.